This week, we're totally falling for the banana in the tailpipe. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome everyone once again to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian and this week my friends Chris and Eric are going to take a moment and we're going to revisit Eddie Murphy's star-making turn in 1984's Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop. It was really funny. Is it going to stand up or have the jokes gotten sort of like embarrassingly uh, offensive? We're going to find out. We're going to check it out. Um, And we've got a ton of the fresh shit, including uh, my take on Ghostbusters Afterlife. So check the uh, check the show notes for timestamps to find the stuff that's most interesting to you. Uh, As always, you know, hit us up. Uh, We are on maghuge.com m-a-g-h-u-g-e.com there you can find links to our twitter at maghuge our facebook our instagram a link to email us at magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com quick programming note uh we're gonna do new shows this week and next week and then for the remainder of 2021 gonna be playing some of the best holiday content we've had over the several years of the podcast doing some rebroadcasts so hope you'll check those out the one with my christmas music list is coming so uh happy holidays everybody we're gonna take a brief hiatus after next week um but for now it's a whole new show so let's get into it (laughs) i ain't following no no banana in the podcast this isn't my locker yeah. Oh my God. How did we forget Beverly Hills Cop? <laughs> we we didn't. Here we are. It's <laughs> no. the magnificently huge podcast, yeah. everybody. Hey, let's, everybody. Let's do the intros. This is Brian. This is Chris. This is Eric. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff right there. See, uh, this time we didn't talk over each other because I just waited to go last. <laughs> That's what well, happens that, every the week. Magic it's like of podcast. It's like <laughs> this is Brian. Wait, yeah. and then. Then the both of us, Eric Brian. Yeah. Well, uh, it is possible to edit these things, you know. Yeah, you're just not going to do it. That's your problem. I've done it plenty. (laughs) (laughs) That's the magic. That's the magic behind the scenes. I will apologize to you all as well because it's now ragweed, cedar, whatever season here. And I now have the voice of a four pack a day smoker. And I apologize. So cool. Well, do we still have that annoying clicking to go on top of that voice? No, because we, we avoided that new, this week. News of the world: I ponied up for an early Christmas present and got myself a new mic rig, and it seems to be working pretty well. But you'll let me know. Dope. Yay! Yeah, good stuff. I'm sure. All right. Sorry <laughs> about the clicking. I'm sure all of our listeners will appreciate that. Both of them. Yeah, I, I've definitely gotten feedback from one of those two listeners that the clicking in in Chris's ear is like ear cancer on your headphones so yeah. we're, we're happy to not <laughs> I, have this i think it's because my old mic something crapped out on it it's just one of those things it just stopped working and i couldn't figure it out so i finally just said screw it and threw it out the window so yeah, you know what sweet. i noticed the other most annoying noise in a podcast is other than cooking or somebody Me? who eats somebody <laughs> who eats is the worst but beyond that no no it's like someone who's really overweight they somehow have a voice that's like this oh ever, my like God. if you listen to the old <laughs> pen Gillette podcast before he lost the weight it's like you can sort of hear him like he's like deep within his body and you listen now and he sounds like a person interesting yeah so don't ever interview santa claus <laughs> is what you're saying I yeah, guess. yeah. I bet, I bet he sounds like this on a podcast. Oh I, I did it twice on the bicycles. All right. I think we just can we just do the fresh shit. Good God, this shit is fresh. Oh shit, it's fresh. This stuff is really fresh. Fresh shit, everybody. Who's got some? Ah, uh, I shouldn't have said anything because I literally don't have any. Okay, fresh I'll shit go this week. Yeah, uh, do it. In, Go in, Eric. My, in my quest to find a podcast for you to listen to, other than this, I don't know why I'm always like 
bringing up other podcasts. But there's a podcast. Please stop listening to our podcast. Yeah. And listen to this one yeah. instead. Well, who knows if people have stopped by now? It's just us. Yeah. Continue. Uh, it's it's called American <laughs> Scandal, and it's this neat thing where this guy takes you know moments in history and does like two or three parts uh, uh, going into the story of what happened. And he dramatizes them. And while it sounds like this should be awful, he's the only voice. He's the only voice doing all the voices. And so he's having like conversations mm. with himself. But somehow, as a voice actor, he's very good because uh, I don't care. And he does stories like, uh, I haven't listened to the Clinton Lewinsky affair. I, I've got to imagine he brings in a woman for that. Because if he's doing Monica Lewinsky's voice, I'm going to... I'm going to poo myself. <laughs> As she and the agents pass through the crowds, suddenly Lewinsky hatches a plan. Well, boys, how about Macy's? They have something for everyone. The taller agent, the one in charge, checks his watch. Okay, but that's the last door. We've got to go back to the hotel. Well, thank you. Aren't you just the sweetest? We're going to have so much fun. Come on. Lewinsky feels ridiculous. But for this plan to work, these two agents need to think she's nothing but a simple, innocent girl. Like an SNL sketch, if that happens. Yeah. 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 It's, he, 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 he did, uh, let's see, the ones I've listened to anyway are L.A. Steals Its Water. You know, where the, the whole story of how, you know, L.A. ripped off the Inland Empire's water. Uh, and another mm. one on, uh, gosh, what was the other one? Oh, that's right. Um the ice pick surgeon, the guy who came up with, uh, um, 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 that thing, what the, the thing with you, the brain and the ice pick and the, Oh, lobotomy. Thing. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Uh, Lance Armstrong, <laughs> Bernie Madoff. Lance it's like a lobotomy. What? Yes. I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> All these neat stories, but it's like, it's really nicely done. And what I like is that it's not like a whole season of this one story. You know, it's two or three episodes, as many as are required, and then we move on. Uh, the Three Mile Island one is really good, because there's a lot of stuff about the Three Mile Island uh, disaster I didn't know. But yeah, yeah, good podcast. So, question for you. On the L.A. Steals Its Water, uh, mm -hmm. did they do the precursory uh, talk about Chinatown even briefly on it? No, no. Okay. Uh, but they, they, they did talk about the St. Francis Dam. Do you know about the St. Francis Dam? No. Tell us more. There's this, this dam that collapsed in, like, I think the 1910s and killed thousands of people. And not many people ever talk about it. They don't really know about it. But it was this, you know, huge reservoir uh, that, that collapsed. If you look it up, you'll see pictures of just nothing and this enormous vertical slab of concrete that's the only piece of the dam that survived they knocked it down since then because people kept climbing up it and then somebody fell off and died but it was this it. huge like like billions of gallons of water that washed all these towns out into the sea i mean yeah it, it's like an amazing disaster that nobody ever talks about and god damn it i want a movie <laughs> and they they talk about in in his podcast they talk about it possibly being dynamited, but the truth is it was an engineering mishap. They put too much concrete on the top. They made it taller without... Yeah, uh, I swear there was like a YouTube thing that you talked about a while back about yeah. this dam, wasn't yeah. there? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated with this one. But yeah, they didn't build the, the base uh, wide enough to, uh, to account for the greater height, and so the whole thing just <laughs> fell over and killed people. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> speaking speaking wow. of towns getting flooded i don't know if you guys have no seen this on the news but did you see that vancouver was cut off from from everywhere else in canada this week no. Ooh, no I no there's like this okay so like they had all those fires during the summer and you know that created a lot of uh potential for mudslides when the big rain storms came this winter and literally all of the highways in and out of Vancouver and all the rail lines are impassable this week. Yikes. And Vancouver is completely cut off. They can't get supplies in unless they airlift them in. And they're going to have to make makeshift uh, bridges and stuff. Is like, this that? And 
Is this that thing where they had to send in Canadian Snake Plissken to, like, rescue the Prime Minister of Canada? <laughs> and, like, well, all these you, punks are running around Vancouver going, I'm yeah. not sorry. Yeah, Escape from Vancouver. That's exactly what that's, it is. Yeah, that's yeah. the next sequel. It's actually, yeah. <laughs> you would think that this would be the sort of thing that would at least make the news in the United States, but not really. Nah, no, we're no. very self-interested. I mean, it's, apparently. it's just Canada. It's just America's hat. You know? <laughs> Apologies to our Canadian listeners. That's just a joke. I mean, on television, Vancouver is standing in for every city. You'd think at least the Hollywood types would have words to say. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, you know, there's industry in Toronto as well. They can just move it. You know, Santa Claus is Canadian. Fair enough. <laughs> North but Pole. Yeah. The North Pole is in the Nunavut uh, uh, territory. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So hang in there, Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, that really sucks. A. <laughs> A. A. Okay. What other so, podcast, Eric? Good day. Yeah. And yeah, fresh shit. Now, I'm saving all my other shit for next week's podcast that we're doing okay. next okay. week. <clears throat> not Winky. not right after we do this one. Next week. Winky. I can Winky. compensate a bit. Okay. Yeah. So, um,. In keeping with our uh, topic of the week, uh, also something with its head stuck straight up 1984's ass, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife came out this week. Oh, did you I'm, see that? I'm skeptical. I went and saw it. I'm so skeptical. <gasps> um, Me too. Okay, so here was my thing going in, right? It's like, it felt like the trailers were sort of like saying, hiding the, you know, hiding the, the, the game, right? Like, it's like, you know, we're going to set up all this mystery and it's in this small town and it's the, the kids and, and we're kind of going, you know, the trailer plays this kind of serious tone with it. But it's a Ghostbusters movie, right? So, you know, it's it's going to pop. No, no, the movie has the tone of that trailer. Ooh, really? All the way through. It's, yeah. It's so, a thriller horror movie? It The tone, it's, they're trying to make an Amblin movie basically, but the tone is just all wrong. Like, the original Ghostbusters was unexpectedly funny, unexpectedly scary, unexpectedly sexy. This is none of those things. Mm. This is it's taking itself way too seriously. <laughs> it's the Ghostbusters and 2 of the 21st century Ghostbusters movies, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Ghostbusters 2 tried r really hard for laughs, yeah. but this one, this one has jokes, but they're not... Then they don't land. Yeah, when the when the selling point for it is that it's directed by the son of the guy that made the first one, it's like that's <laughs> no, that's not the son yeah. of the guy that made like, the movie. You that's like. just telling yeah. me that Hollywood runs on nepotism. That's all that is. I don't care. Uh, Didn't need this yeah. film for that. Now, yeah. from the brother of the director, <laughs> yeah, of basically, no. exactly, exactly. <laughs> This is like nostalgia done wrong. Like they've they've released a clip online that so I'm not spoiling this where it shows a bunch of uh, Stave puffed marshmallows turning into mini Stave puffed marshmallow men in a mm -hmm. Walmart. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a total Gremlins riff up to and including a blender, nice. and like what it's not. Gremlins. Also, could we not come up with anything else for the supernatural ghosts to do than the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man again? I mean, like, do, uh, does, anyway. Does uh, Gozer and Vince Klaatu show up? I think I saw that in the trailer. So, I mean, Gozer is definitely in the movie. Okay. In a big way. Um, I, I must say, I've never seen Stay Puft Marshmallows on any grocery store shelf ever. Right. I mean, is that an East Coast thing? <laughs> no, it's uh, Ackroyd wrote the first movie, so that's, I think that might be a Canadian product. Uh, I don't even know I, if it's I a real product know. or if it was just so. a product in the Ghostbusters yeah, universe. I think but so. it, 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 all movies have, you know, you'll get the thing where it's like, if you can just accept this one, you know, kind of unacceptable thing, you know, we'll play by our own rules and just, just go with it, right? This movie asks you to accept things that ask way too much of the audience from the jump. Like, for example, nobody remembers when ghosts, like, exploded a building in New York City 30 years ago, and that's, like, a thing that, that like, people don't remember in this universe, right? Intriguing. It's, but it, they were, like, in newspaper, like, in the preview, it shows that there are, like, newspaper clippings of oh, yeah. the ghosts. Oh, yeah, they're on YouTube. So it doesn't yeah, follow its, its just, own logic, is what you're telling us? 
Yeah, it it really it, it very much seems like a series of scenes that they thought would be fun to do and they kind of string a plot through it. This movie, okay, so this movie is the rise of Skywalker of Ghostbusters movies <laughs> in that it is it is a reaction to a bunch of butt-hurt 40-something-year-old fanboys who got really pissy when they did female Ghostbusters and so they're like, okay, we'll, we'll bring back the old people and give you all the fan service. Here, here, are you happy? We'll even set that, it in rural America and make it like the red uh, state Ghostbusters and get I, out of New York City. It's I would just... Not I would Ghostbusters. I would pay twice. I would pay twice to see this new movie if in the movie they basically said that the Paul Feig Ghostbusters was something in universe that was like a film version of the real story of the Ghostbusters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they mean, really don't acknowledge they don't even acknowledge Ghostbusters 2, okay? Which this you know, is that's basically a sequel to that, Ghostbusters. Let's be fair. But that uh remake with Melissa McCarthy and company. I mean, it's not good, but it didn't deserve to get shit on like it did. Oh it yeah, it did. It did. It, it was awful. It, I don't think it, was it did. Really it bad. had it had a few moments. I mean, I again, it's not a good movie, but the the vitriol was aimed solely at the fact that it was a bunch of women in it instead yeah. of well, yeah. Ghostbusters. And Basically, just, any of yeah. the uh, the 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 movie shitting that was done before it was released was you know stupid yeah the problem is once it came out and was actually bad you, you know it was difficult to say you know this is actually bad not because it's all women but because there was no script yeah Here, here's the deal folks there are no ghostbusters sequels there is only ghostbusters <laughs> yeah exactly there is no dana only Zool. i think it goes with there's only ghostbusters the, watch it it goes with the star wars theme that they're basically the first star wars is the only thing that happened and everything after Star Wars is in-universe fan fiction talking about that Star Wars <laughs> event. This is like like the first Ghostbusters happened, and every Ghostbusters film after is someone in the universe of Ghostbusters making a Ghostbusters film. This is, however, and I, again, I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying this, really. This is the movie where they actually got Bill Murray to come back and do Peter Venkman a little bit. It's and, just a matter of time, honestly. And as soon as as soon as he shows up, you realize that the thing that makes Ghostbusters Ghostbusters is Dan Aykroyd had written his stupid supernatural Gozer script, and Bill Murray spends the entire movie shitting on that script <laughs> and making fun of it in movie. And like if he would just show up earlier and make fun of this movie, it would be more like Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I love the anyway. fact that the original Ghostbusters, like Murray, was cast at the last minute, and then he was almost a no-show in like the first week of filming. I mean, they were shitting bricks, <laughs> and then it, like he shows up, and then it's magic. It's like you can't put that lightning in a bottle again and yeah. again. No, it it's is. Not it's pretty cool that they did at least get one person from the Paul Feig 2016 Ghostbusters film to be in this. <laughs> uh. Because well, that'd be anyway. Bill Murray again, you see. If yeah. you haven't seen it, don't. But, you know, Bill Murray's in that, too. Yeah, I got yeah. you. Seriously, Ghostbusters Afterlife is more like a Ghostbusters Afterthought. Not, not worth yeah. the time, folks. Bob Fenster of the Arizona Republic, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'll, uh, let's talk about another thing that is... Dad um, joke after burner. Yeah. <laughs> So I've been watching, because I've been watching all of these, you know, over the years. Um, there is a new season of Doctor Who. Really? Um, Doctor uh. Who Flux. Uh, which, it's still so here's the Jody thing, Whitaker, right? right? It's, it's Jodie Whittaker okay. and Chris Chibnall is writing. Here's the thing. Before this started to air, first of all, there was like no press, no marketing whatsoever. And the only marketing we got out of Doctor Who is, hey, everybody, Chibnall and Jodie Whittaker are out, and in 2022, we're getting a new doctor, and we're bringing back Russell T. Davies to run the show for the 60th anniversary, and that got all the Doctor Who people excited again, but first, you guys got to sit through another season of Jodie Whittaker and Chris <laughs> Chibnall, right? Yeah, that's how they so, do it. So here's the thing, though. Chibnall, knowing he's on the way out, is just going balls out. He is throwing everything at the wall. Doctor Who Flux, this season that's that's out. It's a six-episode serial, and it is 
wildly complicated. Like, it's everything is in this thing. There's Daleks and there's Centaurans and there's um, uh, Cybermen. And we're going to get a Weeping Angel. The Weeping Angels are actually done better in this since really the uh, original Moffat episode. Really? Blink that, that had them. Yeah. So, and Whitaker is really good as the doctor. I mean, they're they're pulling out all the stops, but nobody cares. Yeah, is basically what's yeah. happening. That's the, that's the biggest travesty to me is that Jodie Whitaker is very good, but the material has just been so bluff. I have so. nothing against her. I have everything against the idea that somehow the doctor is the reason for regeneration. And that the doctor is yeah. behind everything. And that everything is like this one. It, no, 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 no. Yeah. And and they're not you know, they're not gonna let that one go because they brought they brought in that uh, Joe what's her name as the the even earlier doctor and she actually returns uh, as the even earlier doctor in this series hmm. um, so hmm. Joe Martin that's her name and she's great she's great but yeah that whole bit about you know rewriting the continuity in a pretty fundamental way. Yeah, a lot of it's the same problem. Go away. It's the same problem I have with you know in a in an odd way, uh, Star Trek Discovery, in that we have a main character who is basically the nexus of everything you've ever enjoyed in this series. Right. It's like you know you know that thing that like thirty or forty years ago you thought was kind of cool. Yeah, this one too. The, everything is down to this one person we just made up. It's 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 like like a Christ analogy for pop culture. It's awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this <clears throat> series will eventually end up on HBO max is the streaming home for us after it's done with BBC America. So I imagine sometime in the next year, this thing will show up on HBO max and you watch it. Then I'm enjoying it. I think it's, it's the best. It's the best doctor who Chris Chibnall has written. That is <laughs> faint praise. But it is praise nonetheless. <laughs> I like that inaugural Jodie Whittaker episode uh, with the guy that's yeah. like covered in teeth or whatever that alien was. I thought that was fun. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but yeah after Tim that, Shaw. Yeah. Whatever his name was. But after, yeah. that, first episode, after that first season, uh, my wife and I were just like, I just, that, I'm not vibing this one at all. And we just had to quit. I mean, it's just sad to say, but true. The thing that's good about the way the Doctor is written in this new series is, um, I, as she's saying the lines, I can hear all all kinds of other Doctor Who actors saying the same lines and selling it in their own Doctor's way. I can totally hear the David Tennant version of that same line, or the the Peter Capaldi version, or the Tom Baker version. It's the doctor. It's just her version of the doctor. And so it's it's written very well from the perspective of that's that's the doctor's voice. Well, I mean, you would almost anyway. have to. Yeah. Do you know how much I was hoping that the Peter Capaldi doctor was going to go back to making an unlikable doctor? I really wanted that to yeah. happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, exactly. especially when they cast him. I was like, yeah, let's let's somebody who's just angry and pissed off and. Yeah, let's let's have him swear at people the way he did in uh, <laughs> that other show. Yeah, in the loop. Yeah, in the loop. Yes, would have been spectacular, but mm. no such luck. And and, so, and yeah, make him very very Scottish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and and so when they do the special where they hand it off from Chibnall to Russell T Davies again, can we get Peter Capaldi to just come in and say "fuck it, bye" to to, to Chibnall? Yeah, anyway, <laughs> okay, "fuck it, bye." Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh, oh, oh, oh. Did, have they announced who will play the Doctor next, or is it still going to no, be? No, they have not. Jodie Whittaker. They're going to they're going to set it up as a dual press conference for the new Bond as well. So you're going to get like the double whammy BBC no. thing. I they I I nominate Big B. I nominate Big B from Train Spotting. Big B. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people want Michael Sheen, um, but there's there's been a lot of rumors that one of the guys in uh, Russell T Davies' new show will be it. Uh, yeah. A lot of people want Richard Iwadi to, to also that have I would, a shot. I would be on board with that in a heartbeat. He is that so would be good. Just, that would be very strange, good. So strange all the time that it, it would just they, bleed over. Though, though, and I know it would break continuity, but Paul McGann never got a fair shot. Yeah, that's right. True. That's true. Now they're they're going to announce it in August of next year as part of a big to-do. There will yeah. be a couple specials after Flux here with Jodie Whittaker, but they've already filmed her regeneration scene, apparently, so she's, like, done filming Doctor Who, and it's just going to roll out over the next nine months. I have one thing to say. Blimey. 
That's all I can say. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm a, I'll do one Thank more. Thank you, Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to watch a video. <laughs> I'll do one more quick hit for this episode since Chris, Chris And after busy. that, the game was fine. Yeah. Um, I started watching about three episodes into the first season, and, and these are on Amazon Prime. I'm finally watching Fleabag. Have you guys watched Fleabag? Yes. No. Yeah. I've still circled it, but I haven't ever watched it. That's, oh, you know. that's the, the one, the if you don't understand why she's a big deal, watch that. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's really good. Phoebe Waller-Bridge writes this thing, stars in it, and... The thing that the thing that really makes it work is that she is very aware that you, the audience, are watching and constantly breaks the fourth wall to talk to you about it and makes facial expressions and sometimes just gives you knowing looks in the middle of scenes and then pops right back into the character in the scene. And so she's portraying her own inner thoughts as well as the way the character is portraying herself to everybody around her. And that's the thing about Fleabag is it's so very British in that way in which everyone is putting on airs and no one is being authentic and the absolute queen of this is Olivia Coleman as Phoebe Waller Bridges I guess the godmother but she's the stepmother whatever her, her father's new wife and this is a character who is always on the exterior just so friendly and pleasant and always, always is saying something 100% the opposite of what she's thinking. <laughs> and she does it seamlessly. She's brilliant at it. Um, so is this show, does it traffic in the uncomfortable humor? Or is it, am I uh, misreading that? Yeah, yeah, a bit. It's not as cringy. It's not like the other two or something. It's not, it's not super cringy. She's, I mean, yeah, she's a very flawed character. And she makes bad decisions, but it's not like, you know, you're not like reaching into the TV and trying to choke her. It's like she's sitting there looking at you in the eye and saying, yeah, I know, whatever. We're doing this anyway. <laughs> it, you know, in okay. a way, it's very Deadpool without the, the shooting or the chopping. Yeah. Okay. So it's not like a like peep show where every episode you literally just <laughs> sit into the corner Go, of the couch and try to sink into the cushion because it's just so... In embarrassing for them that you have to look that one's even that. worse because they're looking right at you so it's almost like <laughs> yeah, an accusation it's, it's genius but it's still cringy oh it's terrible anyway sorry no fleabag is fleabag is a lot of fun okay. uh and yeah it lives it lived up to the to the hype i'd say definitely to give it a check out okay and they're not making any more of those ever are they it's like done i don't think so there's only the two they, series and they're each like six episodes long okay the way they do british tv though i imagine like in a few years when she has some ideas she'll go say yeah i want to do another one yeah that's and true. they that's will true. yeah I, f I forget they do things weirder than america yeah that's yeah they're I, like yeah. hbo that way which is bringing everything back <laughs> somehow <laughs> seriously they do uh, things right there is what they do you know exactly. don't 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 have another season mm -hmm. unless you have another season yeah I think Larry anyway. David took advantage of that. <laughs> I, I think that's enough preamble. Let's let's get to the meat of the show. All right. So so lay, lay Beverly me, Hills Cop. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> Why did you choose this particular? <laughs> it's like both of you just 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 chomping at the bit. Go 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 go. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. So Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, honestly, a movie I probably haven't seen since like 1990, maybe on video or something. Really? Uh, it's okay. been it's been a while. It's been a while. Shit. Um. So you know, it's it was my turn to pick a show, and I was uh, not prepared, and so I started flipping through HBO, going, "Geez, what movies are on here that are worth a show?" Oh yeah, Beverly Hills Cop. Okay, yeah. let's do that. Um, I so bro yeah, I love the fact that you chose it because you unwittingly chose a movie that also has so much sequel baggage as to mm, make this a very yes. ponderous episode. <laughs> so I, I have seen, you. I have seen all of the Beverly Hills Cop movies in mm -hmm. the theater. I saw yes, them when I. they were out. Yes. And this week, I watched all three of the Beverly Hills Cop movies, and you know what? 
in their own way, they stand out. But what's so weird about them is how different they are from each other in style. And they're like a, and they're quality. like the Alien franchise. They hire yeah. somebody completely different each time. It's the Paul Reiser so, connection. Yes, <laughs> I want to. I want to give a thesis here, which is, I I went in very nervous because I'm like, okay, we've we've hit this a few different ways on the show where it's like comedy just does not age well, and it doesn't. And so I'm like, okay, this was a big fat '80s comedy. This is going to hurt. This is going to be gay panic. This is going to be sexism. This is going to be a lot of, you know, just crap. And what I found coming into and, and I remember watching Beverly Hills, especially Beverly Hills Cop 3 at the time in the theaters and going, boy, there's just no comedy left in this series. Yeah. You know what? There, The comedy isn't very funny in Beverly Hills Cop 1 at this point. But the rest of the movie was so well done that it still just works. Yeah. Just the, not as a comedy. <laughs> the thing with the comedy of this movie, I think, is it's it's mostly the um uh, the 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 charm of Eddie Murphy, the, you know, that carries it. Yes. Yeah. I I remember also <clears throat> like in being in the theater and seeing the preview for Beverly Hills Cop One when there was you know, no one th- there was no baggage or history to this thing. It was What's going on? Guy walks into a bar. Guy pulls a shotgun on another guy. Eddie Murphy flips his ass over and takes the shotgun and points it in his face. And then he turns to someone just off camera, gives a big smile and like a, you know, a, okay. hey, like yeah. he's butt wheat. Yeah. And everyone in the audience just explodes with laughter yeah. because it's not a funny moment. It's just that he can carry it. And yeah. I think well, that that's was- probably, that's probably it. You have to remember that Eddie Murphy is, you know, the king of the world at the yeah. moment that this, well, this is, is done. The, this is the trajectory. He started on Saturday Night Live, became an, just like an overnight wham-bang uh, success on that show, and rightly so. I mean, he was very much the yeah. bright, shining star of the those years. So then of he the, goes on. The, yeah, Duke he, was, he was the Tracy Morgan character in 30 <laughs> During Rock, the time basically. that, uh, yeah, during the time that the whole show was like in decline because, was it Dumanian, I think, was producing it? And so he was the only one who was any yeah. good. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was a rough time for SNL, and then he kind of resuscitated it, let's be real. But then he went on to do his uh, movie debut, which was 48 Hours with Nick Nolte. Mm-hmm. And he bo- well, Delirious. Like, his stand-up was, well, was killing it right well, yeah. at this point, wasn't but it? But I'm talking about his, like, his, his push into feature films. His movie movies, sure. yeah. Uh, so he does 48 Hours with Nick Nolte, buddy mismatch comedy action, whatever, uh, and he knocks it out of the fucking park. And then he gets to do Trading Places with Dan Aykroyd and another buddyish comedy fucking knocks it out of the park. Beverly Hills Cop comes along and it's his first like star turn. This is the movie that pretty much was mm-hmm. a make or break and it fucking went ballistic. Mm-hmm. But the way that it happened is so astonishing to me because the whole thing started as a vehicle for Stallone as a straight action movie and then went through no. cer- yeah, it went through certain reiterations yeah. and they couldn't get it together and they finally at the last minute uh, gave it to Murphy, and then it's pretty much just him ad-libbing a good chunk of the film, and that's where it gets all its energy. So this movie's success is entirely on his shoulders, and that to me is astonishing even now, 30-some-odd years later. I mean, it's, really? it's, well, it's make or break. That explains, that explains why it has the skeleton of a real, honest-to-God, 80s action movie before yeah. they were even... Like, cliches from 80s action movies are present in this movie in a way where they're still kind of understated. Yeah. yeah. Like the yelling at you police chief is, is yelling, <laughs> exactly. but he's not he's not a caricature. He's a character. Well, here's here's what'll blow your mind, Brian, is that Stallone came in and did a bunch of rewrites and then Paramount went, Oh, we can't do this. This is way too expensive. And that's kind of how that fell apart. Cause he had, I think his climax mm. was like him in a like a sports car playing chicken with a fucking train that had the bad guy on it. I mean, it was just ridiculous. <laughs> and when that fell through, all of that got repurposed for him in uh, Cobra. So yeah, <laughs> if you ever yeah. want to see, what and you would- watch Cobra, <laughs> yeah, and and you know, like, yeah, actually, it's a good thing he didn't do Beverly Hills Copper. We wouldn't have the genius that is Cobra. Yeah. Wow. Oh God. <laughs> we did a show on that, didn't we? <laughs> we have to have done a show on Cobra. No, I don't think we, we did. did. We did Commando. It came out the same year. So, we did yeah. Over the Top, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, so that gives you got an idea of where that script is coming from. There's literally no script. It's just Eddie Murphy being Eddie Murphy. 
throughout, like motor mouth, oh. con man kind of thing, and it and it works. I mean, there's clearly an outline because it because it it has a structure to yeah. it. It's just loose, though. I mean, it's just funny, but uh, yeah, it's it's based solely on his charm and his charm alone, and it's just a miracle when I watch it even now that it's and his ad lights. Yeah, it's just it's, which is not unlike the the success of Ghostbusters, if you think of it. True. The really funny well, stuff mm-hmm. was one guy showing up and fucking it up. <laughs> it's yeah, it's true. That's true. Nineteen eighty four, people. Like here it is. Yeah, uh, same. You know, <laughs> I mean, Gremlins who needs scripts when you've got coke? Yeah, but I mean, that's, I mean, that, that comes out the year that, you know, like Temple of Doom. I mean, we did a whole show about 1984, but that's yeah. the year that like Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, Gremlins, Karate Kid, Footloose, Romance in the Stone, Splat. I mean, all these movies came out and this one sits squarely near the top. It's like, I think at least top five. And I uh, think it does stand up. I really do. It does still it hold does. up. Yeah, it's astonishing. Yeah. Of a lot of these old movies we've been watching, this one really rose to the top for me. It was it was way better than I was expecting. So for those thing, of, sorry, go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say for those of you who are not familiar with this movie, we should probably say what it's about. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So a cop in Detroit, uh, his his uh, friend is killed by some gangster thuggy types, and he traces them to Beverly Hills, California. And he, he tries to find these guys. Uh, he's a Detroit police officer trying out of his jurisdiction on purportedly on vacation a to find these guys cop. who killed his friend. <laughs> yeah. And that doesn't play by the rules. The Beverly Hills Police Department, of course, they want him out of town. And so it's Judge Reinhold and John the Ashton. guy. For, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> You yeah, that guy. Yeah, you know the, him when the you guy say from it. Midnight Honestly, Run. He's yeah, from because nobody remembers yeah. the name. <laughs> they're the two. They're the yeah. two Beverly Hills detectives who are there to like roust him yeah. out of town. But they end up partnering with him to get the bad guys. And yeah. and don't forget uh, Ronnie Cox as uh, Captain Bogomil, the paternal oh, yeah. good guy. Yeah, yeah. Who this is like? I I was looking at this going, oh shit, he's been in two super powerhouse '80s movies with cop in the title. It's like Beverly Cop <laughs> and Beverly <laughs> RoboCop. It's you know, so good for him. Yeah, and yeah. and no, and uh, a quick turn by by uh, Damon Wayans with uh, the bananas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plus, like Damon pa- Wayans, Bronson Pinchot, Paul and Reiser. Paul Reiser all yes. appear in this thing. Well, and yeah. don't don't forget Lisa, early early roles. Don't forget Lisa Eilbacher was the girl, and she was a big hit on Saint Elsewhere at the time. I, that's where I remembered her from when I saw this thing. I'm like, oh, I've seen her in Saint Elsewhere. Okay. So, little blast from the past there. Nobody wow. cares. It's awesome. <laughs> deep, deep the cut. Movie, yeah, right? The movie, like, Im- impresses you right away. First of all, by just having a goddamn hit machine of a soundtrack album. Yeah. Like, this is this is during the heyday of soundtrack albums, right? But we kick it off with Glenn Fry and The Heat Is On. And then we go The worst into- song ever made. Worst song. <laughs> God damn it. Hate that song. Yeah. But then, yeah, Neutron Dance is on for a chase scene. And this is a chase scene that actually was Im- impressed me in modern times as a viewer because I'm watching it. There's this, you know, truck with a two trailers with a hitch between them, right? And they're doing a, a car chase through city streets in Detroit like with this thing. And you cars. know it's practical cars yeah. crashing into each other real stunt drivers doing real stunts there's no cg in 1984 mm, yeah and these guys are going for it and i'm like okay yeah it's fun you, it's, it's hello movie it starts out well i was it my brother gave me that soundtrack on cassette that year christmas 84 because the movie had just come out like early december so he gave that soundtrack to me. That was I had that in Ghostbusters and listened to them just repeatedly because I was just a kid, mm-hmm. uh, like thirteen, and I didn't know any better. But I watched it again the other night, and I forget that in the first twenty minutes of this movie, you get like half of the songs from the soundtrack just one after the <laughs> other after the other. Yeah, I'm like they are yeah. not kidding around, man. They are going for broke. It's awesome. But but those were legit hits, like. These songs charted big time. Yeah, who charted back in the day? Yeah, it's good. But uh, 
This is also the movie that introduces, to my knowledge, the trope of the cops going to the strip club. Right? It could be. Um, Yeah. As far as I know, this is the OG. That was a couple years later. Yeah. And, you know, Vanity Six had a hit single off of (laughs) that scene, but... Um, Vanity Six had a hit single. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, but there it was. But, Probably written by Prince. Yeah. Anyway. But the whole movie is just basically Eddie Murphy is Axel Foley, Detroit police officer, fish out of water, just running roughshod over these by the book cops in Beverly Hills. And he's just a smart mouth. He cons his way into the Beverly Hills, uh, whatever it is, hotel for oh at the high high price of 235 dollars <laughs> a night yeah. wow that's a lot man that's a lot but it's a what, sweet what's and and it's it's worth noting he's a detroit police officer where there's actual crime coming to beverly hills where the cops are basically like uh security guards. you know they're the, yeah they're the they, they they clean up celebrity vomit that's yeah they don't have anything actually <laughs> apparently happening in yeah. beverly hills at the well, time, the Beverly Hills police force was pretty pissed off about that. They're like, we yeah. have crime. <laughs> well, and let me ask you this, Eric, because I know you're a big Breaking Bad fan. The the henchman in this movie is the dude from Breaking Bad, right? What's his face? The I can't remember the yeah. actor's name. But, uh, I can't either. Like his, <laughs> but that's one of his early roles. And then the guy that plays uh, Victor Maitland, the big bad in this one, was also the bad guy from... Uh, one of those bomb. I think it was the bad guy in Octopussy. So he was having a yeah. Good run. I was just watching that. I just yeah. watched uh, Octopussy like this week, and I was like, yeah. "Man, that that guy is he's <laughs> he intense." Some good work. He got some good work. <laughs> yeah. Another another great understated villain with a German accent in a in an eighties movie. That's the other thing about the the baddies in this, right? Is that they're again, you see the same character done much more hammy in in subsequent movies you know that people were were riffing on yeah these are these are mob type guys but again they they are understated they they know how to not turn it all the way up to 11 and deliver menace with plausible deniability but you know what they really mean john jonathan jonathan banks is the name of the actor he played mike he played mike in that and better call saul yeah the the eternal uh sort of tired angry yeah. guy and Look. who has yeah. yeah who has a really funny moment in airplane two they're all over the place they're two thousand feet eight thousand feet three thousand feet what an asshole <laughs> <laughs> but i mean but beverly was coming I mean, it's just this you know i mean yeah i guess there's a through line and it's a script but it's just mostly just from one murphy riff to another is pretty much how it's structured and so you you kind of get like the whole where he knows Billy and uh and what's his face uh Taggart are tailing him outside the hotel so he sends down the food and has a little fun mm-hmm. with them and then puts the bananas in the tailpipe and then they get kicked off the tail and they put the other two straight laced cops on him and then he has the whole tete a tete with them in front of the Maitland mansion I'm not gonna fall for the banana in the tailpipe trick and it's just mm-hmm. I don't understand why that is so ingrained as a a line from that movie that everybody knows but it just happened and like it's still a thing because today. because it's a movie without really punchlines i think mm-hmm. the beauty of this film is yeah it's basically a a standard cop action film but instead of all the boring parts where nothing's going on and you have time to realize you're watching shit there is this stuff with eddie murphy that's entertaining and personable and fun yeah you know <laughs> but yeah, not punchline all charisma you know? <laughs> all the time right but then yeah. when he wants to pull out the like i need to make you believe that my character could actually be you know a badass in a fight he 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 goes there and he shifts gears in yeah. a way that you can you can yeah. believe yeah yeah well there are moments in this where he's the- he's in the beginning, when he's hanging on the uh, back of that uh, cigarette truck, yeah. he's not going, ooh, he's not doing like <laughs> right. like hammy, right. funny moments. He's, you motherfucker, when this truck stops, I'm going to tear off your arms. Yeah. Yes. But there are moments in yeah, his performance and- where you can tell, though, uh, at least for me, because that, that was, Eddie Murphy was like my, my thing back then. I just, I loved everything he did. Everybody and, was, yeah. Yeah. And you can see him channeling elements of, uh, you know, Billy Valentine from Trading Places. 
you can see him kind of taking bits from 48 hours. So this is sort of like he's building on his previous successes in a way that he wouldn't really get a chance to do again because this thing just exploded. And he never made a good movie after this in the 80s until maybe coming to America. And even that is iffy. You know what I mean? Like this was Mm. like the, the apex as far as I'm concerned for what he was doing. So you're saying the golden child doesn't stand up. <laughs> no, the golden child does not stand up. And I'm here to tell you the, that for a fact. The, 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 the cinematic great best defense didn't stand up. No, it did not. <laughs> it did not. So I'm sorry to say, and even like uh, Beverly Hills cop two, just it's, I just, I don't like it. Like don't give Tony Scott any chance to direct a movie as far as i'm concerned it's like <laughs> top gun is it and nothing else from the dir- brother of the director no. the, yeah. Yeah. the hunger the hunger ah yeah okay I'll the hunger that. come on but but, but yeah it's of, like when he was that, art schooling it yeah yeah but none of that translates to beverly hills cop 2 the most charmless quote-unquote comedy uh of the era it just it, yeah. they tried to do the straight action with a little bit of the funny, and it just all forced, like, like the the golden bright sunsets with the haze from L.A. Yeah, and he's very in tune to that aesthetic. But as far as the mm-hmm. movie itself, it's just a rehash. It's like how many times can like, we? How get can act- I make a Michael Mann movie? Yeah. Can- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, for me, it's like how many times can we manufacture an excuse to kill somebody that Axel knows tied to Beverly Hills so he can come on out for a week and solve the case? I mean, it's yeah. It's, you're running. But Jurgen Proc now is a Jurgen Proc now is a great villain. Uh, well, Dean I, I like too. Brigitte Nielsen. Uh, yeah. yeah, Dean Stockwell. The whole idea of him using like this very rare gun. That that gives them away. I I kind of yeah. like a lot in that film. I don't. You know, it's not a comedy, no, no. But it's still, it just it doesn't click. And even Murphy himself has said that they just kind of went back to the well a little too yeah. obviously. Part twos are never really good. Yeah, and so it's just to me. It's and even the soundtrack is sort of like it's a pale comparison to the original soundtrack. Like to like to the point where you've got a <laughs> you've got like a, a Bob Seger song that's trying to be the heat is on. It's called Shakedown, yeah. and it's just like yeah. you're listening to it, going, "This oh, is just God. Bob Seger trying to do Glenn Fry. What the fuck is up with this, bro? I mean, it's just so uh. dumb." Uh, so in my in my head, I was thinking that this one was Beverly Hills Cop Three. I haven't watched two or three since I saw them in the theater because I didn't feel any need yeah. to watch them again. Well, Beverly's Cop 2, so it's I, like, yeah, they, they've got a, a cartel of thieves stealing money for something, something, and Bridget Nielsen is the one who goes out and leads the heists. And it's like, I watch this thing, I'm like, you're telling me that these heists are happening all over LA and the cops can't figure out that the very statuesque elaborately yeah. dressed blonde woman is the one they can't find it's like that, she's not gonna that be that still hard confuses me it's like, even yeah. even having just watched it i'm like wait a minute so she's wearing no disguise yeah you know like at all like yeah. all these all these guys are running in there with like black masks and like you know just think they, they look like jewelry store thieves yeah. uh you know accompanied by is that is that brigitte nielsen yeah, I think Brigitte just, Nielsen is robbing our our, our jewelry store. Yeah, just, she stands out a bit. Yeah, so it's <laughs> yeah. just a little bit weird. But it's like in this one, it's like it's not his friend that got shot; it's Bogomil that he's got to come out and help solve the case. And then right, and then it's just all this sort of tangential. Like so, now they're all buddies because they went through the first Beverly Hills Cop together. And it's just sort of I don't know. It all seems kind of forced, and the action is cranked to eleven. And they just kind of did sequelitis on that one. I just I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Mm. But I am interested to hear Eric. (laughs) Well, tell me why you like Beverly Hills Cop 2. Tell me. I think because in a way it deconstructs the first one. You know, uh, Billy (laughs) is psychotic and um, yeah, yeah. Taggart is just, well, Taggart's just Taggart, but he's now more concerned, I guess. The action is is a little more stylized. I like that it doesn't look like all the other action movies in the eighties. It looks, yeah. it looks like, yeah, to live and die in LA. Like one of my fucking favorite movies. That's actually of the true. 80s. Yeah. I guess he did pull a freak in a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I it's, you. it's got, it's got, I don't know, a look that's more interesting. I was not looking for a comedy when I came to see Beverly Hills cop. Really? 2. So that was my thing. I went and saw it in 87 when it came out and I was just hoping for more hijinks that 
make me laugh as well as some mm. good action. And like, there's literally very little comedy. Yeah. And I was just See, so that's what you, that's what you get in Beverly Hills cop three. There's plenty of hijinks. It's just the whole time I'm going and, and, <laughs> you know, that is a very weird set of movies, isn't it? So you've got the first one, which is sort of the perfect fusion. And then the other two sort of, they just genetically split it and it's like, okay, this mm-hmm. one's the action. It's and this one's the bad comedy. Someone and, else's so, concept of what the movie is. They saw it's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, Before I we was, leave Beverly Hills Cup too. I just want to say it did win a Golden Razzie Award for worst song on its soundtrack, and that went to George Michael's "I Want Your Sex." Nice. Anyway, ah, um, I, I didn't. That yeah. was on there. Holy crap! Okay, <laughs> this is where it comes from. Yeah. Okay. Ugh. Okay. Uh, the only thing I remember from Beverly Hills Cop two, like, or remembered for like years and years, was uh, Eddie Murphy asking Brigitte Nielsen about her legs. Does it take you long to shave those? You know, <laughs> yeah. That's so um, I do, but I will but give you he, this. I, I do like that uh, Taggart and Rosewood sort of like, like you mentioned, sort of flip roles a little bit and they give mm-hmm. Judge Reinhold a little more scene chewing uh, ability. And so by the end, when they have the big showdown, they've solved the case. And then the commissioner comes up and starts yelling at them for being inept and blah, blah, blah. And Judge Reinhold finally just loses. You shut up. And he just starts yelling yeah. at the guy. It's like, this is not the <laughs> Rosewood from the first movie. No way. Yeah. He became a cop. He, yeah. he grew up. Yeah. He, he, of, of all the characters, he had a sort of an arc. <laughs> and he's the only one apart from Murphy who's in all yeah. three. It's so weird. Yeah. But I, and I like, yeah, I like that Taggart is the one actual cop in Beverly Hills who's like, yeah, I know, but it's a fucking yeah. job. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see the Taggart yeah. spinoff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would have been I a TV show. I am now show. wondering if I, right? if I even saw Beverly Hills Cop 3 because I, I pretty sure I, I bounced after two just kind of going, eh. All you need to know about Beverly Hills Cop 3 is it's the one where uh, Axel goes to Wally World. That's literally yeah. the movie. I mean, it's just. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I'm, I don't think I bothered. I mean, I am on, I am on board because it's Landis and I went and saw it. I'm just going to give it an even shot. And then when you get to the chop shop at the beginning and all of the chop shop guys start doing the like the, the lip syncing to the. The dancing. The 60s, yeah. The, yeah. To the, the 60s girl group. I'm like. I am so out. This is this is like, what are you doing, John Landis? And then like mayhem, yeah. it happens, and then it sets the plot in motion. And in this one, the baddies kill his captain, who's been in all three, and then suddenly he's got to go back to Beverly Hills and solve the case. And then it's tied to some sort of counterfeit slash gun running operation in the basement of like a Disneyland kind of a thing. I was so yeah. out by the first fifteen minutes that I can't even remember half the movie. All right. Oh, here's here's boy. here's okay here's my apology tour on beverly hills cop three <laughs> now did you like it still yes yes oh i did oh my god oh my god eric uh, okay here's the, okay it starts really with the cops all gathered around a car hood and they're talking about how they're going to go into this chop shop and arrest everybody we yeah. don't need swat i don't want people getting killed says axel foley we're just gonna you know arrest some guys who are doing some some carjacking and it, they they cut to the garage where they're all just silly assholes doing like yeah their karaoke routine to uh, I can't remember what song but yeah it's like yeah these guys are inoffensive that's the point of that whole thing is yeah these guys are just they're just they're dopey and then the and real bad, bad guy shows up murders all of them horribly and that's when Axel and his cops show up and just you know these these yeah these these high-end hitmen start trying to kill them with automatic weapons yeah and it's actually it that's the part where i was like you can see a lot of blues brothers editing going on in this it's like a lot of jumping from yeah the 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 violence to these expressions on people's faces of what in the fuck is happening it was it was actually very carrie fisher in the tunnel yeah. with the m16 <laughs> well here's here's for me because i watched clips from it because i wasn't about to sit down for the whole thing uh i just wasn't in the mood but i saw enough and that like like you can watch the whole opening uh gunfight chase on youtube and i'm watching and i'm like the first thing that struck me was this is very spies like us this whole sequence mm-hmm. is just very much that i mean even above like blues brothers so it's sort of like that second tier landacy universe uh, yeah. where it's like mm. a lot of slapstick 
mixed in with the bullets flying. And uh, it just, I don't know, it just falls flat. But by the time you it get does. Eddie Murphy I mean, it's, wearing, wearing like the, the costume of the cartoon character, it's just like, come on. Yeah, but this is this is also what you were saying about how I wanted more hijinks. This yeah. thing is filled to the brim with hijinks, and all of them are a distraction. Yeah, you know, it's just mm-hmm. it's all, it's like literally all it is, uh, and I just don't understand it because they were trying to retool it and bring Axel back for the nineties, mm-hmm. but I guess Eddie Murphy at that point in time in his life was dealing with lots of depression. And so it's sort yeah. of like you could t- you could kind of tell on scene on on screen that he's just like I'm just doing this whatever. Yeah. That's the kind of In- vibe interesting interesting story. After uh, coming to America, he didn't talk with John Landis again because they had such a falling out over that yeah. film, and he basically got John Landis this as I'm not sure if it was you know to mend fences or because he said John Landis is the only one who could make this pile of shit work or I'm yeah. not sure you know. Nobody really knows why, but if you watch that, uh, the movies that made us on Coming to America, they tell him basically that Eddie Murphy got John Landis this job, and John Landis was like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute! No, I'm John Landis. I'm a big deal. You should yeah. know who I am." He did, he he gave me a mercy fuck on Beverly Hills Cop Three. What? Oh. Well, I mean, it's just. Uh... Even John Landis was having a fallow period during this time, and this was not the movie. During this time. He's never been the same. Ever Uh, since he murdered those three people on the Twilight Zone set, he is sucked. (laughs) I'll tell you this. There's a a YouTube thing uh, called, I can't remember what the the fucking title is. It's like the terribly good, awfully good movie. Oh, it's awfully good movies. And they do a, a thing about Beverly Hills Cop 3. And I openly laughed out loud because there, there's a sequence in this movie where uh, Axel has to save these children from a runaway ride. <laughs> and, and the guy literally pointed out, he's like, I'm not sure if the guy that directed uh, Twilight Zone should be the one doing a movie about yeah. children in jeopardy. I mean, it's yeah. Like, just, yeah. You know, it's like, come on. Oh, I, just, and my eyes did pop, nearly pop out of my head when uh, as a background extra with i think a line was george lucas mm-hmm. what the fuck is george lucas doing there oh my god that's, that's george lucas that's lane that's calling in all his face like arthur hiller is in it as yeah. well at some point i mean it's like all these uh <laughs> like just weird so, cameos yeah so basically i mean yeah so beverly Hills cop hits in 84 is the biggest thing until back to the future and then they follow it up in 87 with cop 2 and everybody kind of sours on it and and yeah, then coming to America and a bunch of other stuff. This Cop Three wasn't till '94, so this yeah. almost feels like okay, we we're we're seriously drowning here. We got to go back to the well and yeah. and have a hit yeah. or something. Beverly Hills Cop Three to me, it's like the Blues Brothers 2000 of the Beverly Hills Cop movies. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. uh, it, it just there's no purpose for it. They didn't really find much of a fresh take for me, and it's just not funny from the get-go it's just flat it's like ghostbusters mm. afterlife well here's the thing <laughs> i probably i probably enjoyed it just because i wasn't expecting much from yeah. it it's not like beverly hills cop itself was a cinematic masterpiece it no. was a dopey cop movie this is a dopey cop movie with some funny parts yeah that's all but yeah. you can watch the first beverly hills cop and kind of get why it's a classic almost uh like why people regard it still yeah it's got oomph like the other two, it's just they're there to be product. That's all I feel like when I see those. And it's just, it's disheartening. Because Axel Foley as a character is, is fun. But by the time you get to the third one, it's like Eddie Murphy made some weird decision to stick to the script and not ad lib because Axel had grown up enough by that point in time. It's like, you can justify it all you want, man, but we're here to watch you riff and you're just not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wasn't ever really about that, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Like, Whatever, on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so oh. Very- oh. One other. One other Tony Scott film that uh, I'm, I'm going to put into the. But he's he still had some good ones. True Romance. Oh man. Man. Okay. We'll have to have a Tony Scott show someday. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, anyway, any anything left to say about the Beverly Hills Cop movies? Uh, I'd say rewatch the first one. It's better than you think it was. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying uh, just listen to the Harold Faltermeyer theme on repeat all day and, and uh, right? enjoy it because that's a classic. While I, 
while I would have expected more gay panic out of the first one, his scene with Serge is actually quite respectful. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. It's not. I think it's just there to have Bronson Pinchot do the accent more than anything. It's but he's not, not really- like. He's not making fun of him for probably being gay. He's like, yeah. you know, I'll it's like, that, yeah, no. you have information. Cool. Let's talk. Yeah. Well, the, there's actually like no homophobia other, other than just the notion that people, you know, putting on the stereotypical gay airs, including Murphy himself is, is inherently funny. I think yeah. they assume that, but it, it, because they don't lampshade the hell out of it, it, it mm. you, they get away with it. Well, the only it's Damon it. Wayans. Damon yeah. Wayans is the one who's really guilty of that, and yeah, he did the exact switchy. same thing to get fired from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it delves into the, like uh, questionable territory when Murphy's doing the herpes simplex tan to to scan yeah. his way into the buffet. <laughs> I mean, that gets yeah. a little borderline. Like you watch it now, you're like, oh, ooh, ooh. You know, that's not cool, bro. I mean, it's like, that's kind of what you feel like. But other than that, I think most of the movie still holds up, I would say, you know. Fun times, right. fun times. <laughs> well, if you like revisiting that, revisit the rest of our podcast. Subscribe to it. Listen to the old episodes or go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. we got all the old episodes there and uh, links to contact us on Twitter, at maghuge, links to our Facebook, our Instagram, and our email, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Hit us up, rate us on uh, iTunes, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> You gotta say, I ain't gonna fall for no banana or no tail pop. <laughs> oh, you're not gonna fall for a banana or no tail pop? <laughs> 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 <laughs>